Our first reading today is from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Here ends our first reading. Please rise in honor of the Holy Gospel. Gospel from Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I will tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. You may be seated. So don't worry. We're going to read the Christmas gospel as part of our lessons and carols. But we still felt it was important for us to continue with our sermon series of these last weeks. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name has covered a number of the names of Jesus last night, the Savior. We've talked about Him being the Word of God. He's the light of the world, the bread of life. And today, we want to talk about Him being the Messiah. And what does that mean, that Jesus is the Messiah? It's not a word that we might be very familiar with, Messiah, But it's an important word for our ancestors in faith, that is, the Jewish people. The Messiah was a a term to describe the return of the king, the return of the king in the fashion of David. David was their greatest king, and David combined not only a kingly power, strength, wisdom, uh, 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 battle-tested But he also combined faith. He also combined with that a deep faith, a writer of the Psalms and and the kind of um, expressions of love he had for the Lord formed the perfect union for the people of Israel that became their pinnacle. No king before or after really ever put those two, what we say priestly and kingly, attributes together. But David did. And and the hope was that someday there would be another David. Another David like that. This began to be called the, the messianic hope, waiting for this Messiah to come back. And so um, when Jesus is named the Messiah, it's a pretty big deal. It means that we're making a claim as Christians that what people were waiting for has come. Now, we made that assertion 2,000 years ago in the voice of Peter, right? 
Peter said, you are the Messiah. That was a big thing for a Jewish man to say. You are the Messiah. Obviously, no, we know today there are many Jewish people who don't agree that he hasn't come yet, and they are still waiting. We respect them, but we are grateful that God has revealed to us the Messiah has come. That perfect union of a man of faith and a man of kingly power. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is all packaged up in that simple name of Jesus, the Messiah. But as I wanted to talk about it, I wanted to really address that waiting quality, that Advent quality of the name, because it was a name that people used in their time of waiting. And Christmas is a lot about waiting, isn't it? It's a lot about waiting. For me, it's about waiting for when I won't have to listen to Feliz Navidad on the radio. I'm sorry if you like that song. I don't. I'm and not sure. Um, maybe this year I got through like three times only hearing it. But some years it seems that I can't avoid it. And I wait for Christmas Day when all the music, you know, finished up and I won't have to accidentally hear Feliz Navidad. Again, sorry if that's your favorite. I don't want to offend anybody. The waiting is a big part of Christmas. But, you know, there's so many um, interesting ties between the trappings of Christmas and the reality of Christmas. Uh, it's a profession for pastors to complain about all the trappings of Christmas and how they distract from the meaning of Christmas in Jesus. We say again and again in our sermons, He's the reason for the season. But, you know, we have to admit that the trappings, when understood rightly, can help us remember the reason for the season. In fact, it occurred to me that we would not be better off if Christmas was no longer celebrated as the kind of event that it is. Imagine if it, it just stopped being celebrated. As I said last night, I noticed that in my neighborhood, I've got a few great lit-up houses that people even drive over to our neighborhood to see, but then interspersed with them, row after row of homes with not a single light on it. So as I complain about how distracting all the commercialism of Christmas is, I have to reflect on the opposite. What if people stop celebrating it? And there are some. Maybe the people that I drove by this morning that were going for their walk, maybe they're not celebrating Christmas today. Maybe some of your family members are not. Or the celebration is so watered down that it's meaningless. What would we do without the lights to remind us of the light of the world, of the, of the tree to remind us of the tree on which he died, or of life eternal. Even forgetting Santa would be kind of sad because Santa, after all, was a follower of Christ. And he gave his gifts to honor his Savior. And one of the things that, that does work to our advantage as Christians is that there is such a buildup to Christmas. There needs to be a build-up to Christmas. There needs to be that sense of, it's coming. It's coming. Now, whether that should happen before Thanksgiving or not, I don't know. I usually like to wait till after. The stores don't anymore. But we 
anticipate, we wait. And, and that's what I want to talk about when it comes to the Messiah. The Messiah, for me, captures a longing, the longing, the waiting that today is over. Today is over. Now, Pastor Shane was talking about um, his kids and excitement that they had over uh, their morning. And uh, all over the you know, world right now, there are those who celebrate Christmas. For the kids, the waiting is over. It's been a long wait for some of them. And it's over. The wrapping paper flies, the gifts are opened up, and they can begin playing. Now, how long they'll play with the gifts and how long that excitement lasts varies. I can remember my parents being so disappointed one year when we opened up all our our presents and then turned to them and said, is that all? Remember, Mom? (laughs) She hasn't recovered from that. Is that all? Can you imagine? Ungrateful wretches. (laughs) My kids never said that. (laughs) But they did look around. (laughs) How does it feel when you've gotten to the day you've been waiting for? What's it like? For kids, it might be fleeting. Even for us, it might be only as long as a day comes along. I know there are people tomorrow that will begin to take down the trees. They will begin to return the gifts. They will begin to take the lights or at least unplug them. I hope you don't. Give it a little longer. At least 12 days, right? Waiting's over, but for Christians, it's all just beginning. We've been waiting so that we can get started. What started with the life of this baby, to watch him now grow before our eyes in the months ahead and make his way to our salvation on the cross and in the empty tomb. For us, it's just getting started. There is no letdown after Christmas because we're just getting rolling. I was thinking about the waiting that other people had to experience. Um, Mary, for example. Now, the obvious waiting Mary had to experience was nine months of unplanned pregnancy. <laughs> if there ever was an unplanned pregnancy, this would be one of them. But there's much more that Mary was waiting for. And we know that because Mary expresses that when she comes to grips with what the angel has told her. One of the songs that's very popular at Christmas time now is, Mary, did you know? Did you know your baby boy was going to be the savior of the world? Did you know that? And the answer is yes. Do you know that? She knew what was happening. How do we know that she knew? Listen to her words when she hears about her pregnancy. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. She knew. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, has lifted up the humble, filled the hungry with good things, sent the rich away empty, helped his servant Israel, remembering to be faithful to Abraham, 
and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She knew because her family had been waiting. They had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and maybe there was even a part of her that wasn't surprised when it finally happened. Because those words were formed in her heart and expressed in her lips. She was waiting. And now what they had been waiting for would come in her little baby. I think about the angels waiting. You ever think about the angels waiting? I just think about this. I mean, if angels were in the beginning as part of God's creation, and Jesus was in the beginning as the Word of God, the angels have been waiting an awful long time to have their big night on the hills of Bethlehem. Can you just imagine them backstage going, how many more centuries is it going to take for us to do this thing? Warming up their voices, spreading their wings, getting all their harmonies straight. They've been waiting a long time. And, and watching, watching us suffer. Watching us walking in darkness. Watching people turn their back on the God who again and again was trying to, to bless them and lead them and guide them. They watched. Sometimes they were even allowed to go and, and go down to earth and, and, and communicate on God's behalf. And again and again, they watched and saw these people don't get it. They don't listen. They don't understand. What are you going to do, God? I got it covered. I'm sending my son. What? What? You're sending your son. They've been waiting, and then when it came time, there they were on the hill of Bethlehem singing their song, the one they've been waiting to sing, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth finally peace to those on whom his favor rests. Three wise men were waiting too. Waiting for um, some arrival. We're not exactly sure, but they, they, they assumed some kind of king based on the way the stars told the story. And so it's ironic. They go into this land, they go into this land, and they go to the king, but they realize he's not the one. Herod's no king. The star doesn't lead them there. The star leads them to Bethlehem. They've been waiting to, to, to give their gifts, to, to pay homage to him, and the waiting now is over. I wonder how they felt when they reached the baby. After their long journey, their long wait, and they offered their gifts, and the waiting was over. And now they could honor a king that they could presume would be a wonderful king, a great king. Jesus the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, I hope for you it's been worth the wait of this Advent season. And I hope that other things you may have been waiting for might also come. Maybe you've been waiting for peace, hope, joy. Maybe you've been waiting to, to have some sins that you can't let go of taken away from you. Maybe you've been waiting for this season to spark something in your faith that's maybe been lying a little dormant. 
Maybe you've been waiting for reconciliation in your family or a break at work. Whatever you've been waiting for, what we should know is the most important thing of all. The most important thing has come. The Messiah. And now we know that he is with us. Merry Christmas.